0: All right. Well, hello, friends. How are we? So good to be with you. I see all the happy dances online. You guys are great dancers. (laughs) Well, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Joe Ratterman. I lead our high school ministry here at Heartland uh, and wanted to extend a big, warm welcome to all of you out watching online and maybe most specifically those of you doing so with kids. Uh, It's one thing, you know, to to get all dressed up and have your hot cup of coffee and to walk, Quietly to your chair and just soak it all in. It's an entirely other thing to attempt that at home with children. Uh, this is a little bit about like, what church online looks like uh, with kids. Absolute chaos. We're three minutes in and every couch cushion has been ripped off. My kids are bringing worms in from the yard. They're now squished into the carpet. And in the background, all you hear is snacks, snacks, snacks constant desire for snacks. By the time you make it to the message, you realize just how much you need a savior because there's things that come out of you that you would never say with the church face on. It it makes you just really appreciate our children's ministry. I mean, they come out with their like handcrafted, like little cross saying they want Jesus to be their friend forever. And meanwhile, at home, it's a win if we're not cleaning poop off the curtains that that's real life that's that's church at home so i see you i get you well guys anybody else ready for our new normals to be old normals is anyone ready just for this season of waiting to be over it has been such a weird season of wishing we were anywhere but right where we're at You know, wishing we were on that vacation that was rescheduled and replanned and now canceled, wishing that the furlough was over, wishing that we could start actually managing a budget again, wishing for answers, for a diagnosis, waiting for the waiting to be over. And for those of you that have maybe been holding on to a dream or a desire, something that God's placed in your heart... Waiting at times can be really motivating, it can be inspiring, and at other times that waiting can be really hard. It can feel like you're unseen, unheard, or forgotten. And our prayers can be a little bit more like, God, what are you doing? Where are you? I wonder, as we're wishing and waiting to be anywhere other than where we're at right now, if we might be missing something. I wonder if as we've got our eyes focused on wherever we want to be, whatever we want to be doing, we might be missing what God has right in front of us. That's what we see in the story of Acts. Uh, For those of you just joining us, we've been in this uh, series where we've been just slugging away at the book of Acts, this book that accounts just the story of the, the early church grappling with the reality of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Trying to figure out, well, what now? What do we do now? In chapter 13, we're introduced to this person named Paul, who is this Jewish religious leader who went from church, like Christian hater to church planter, who went from destroying the church to building up the church. And the rest of Acts is kind of this mad dash as he's got his eyes fixed on his destination, appearing before Caesar himself. And the whole book, it's like this enormous crescendo leading up to this moment. He's thrown in jail, and then there's a crowd after his life. Uh, There's a murder plot that's interrupted as he's transported by an army to Rome. Along the way, he's shipwrecked. He's bitten by a snake. Situation after situation, trial after trial, all leading up to this moment that he's going to appear before Caesar. And look at how the book of Acts ends. In verse 30, we read, For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Notice anything missing? Like what happens? Did he make it to Caesar? How did Caesar respond? What happened to Paul? We have no idea. It's the most unsatisfying ending to a book. It's like racing to the end of a movie or a novel to find those three words. To be continued. Ah, Doesn't life feel like that sometimes, though? A little bit more like that to be continued? You know, it reminds me of one of my favorite hikes. Well, my wife and I lived out in Colorado, there's this hike called Goat Mountain. Uh, And every Saturday morning or so, me and a buddy would head out there to hike Goat Mountain. And Goat Mountain, this is not like your tourist trail. There is no sidewalk, there's no paved anything. This is literally what's left over by a group of mountain goats that climb up this ridge. I think we've got a picture here. Uh, And it's a pretty intense hike. So literally for the first 15 minutes or so, you're covering a few hundred feet of elevation gain. And so you're like focused on the trail right before you as you're like snaking back and forth up this mountain. And uh, at this point, I've been focusing on not falling off and I haven't been looking behind me. But as I I pan back, I see my buddy Blake, who is on all fours, just vomiting everywhere. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, dude, we are 15 (laughs) minutes into this hike. But that's not a very nice thing to say. So uh, I was like, dude, are you doing okay? Like, how are we doing? And uh, he like rolls back and he's like, go on without me. I kid you not. Go on without me. I'm "I'm not going on without you. I went on this hike to be with you. Uh, You know, 30 minutes later, he composes himself. I'm like, dude, we've got to at least make it to the top. And so we we walk up this uh, ridgeline and we edge our way up to the top and it is gorgeous. Like you're looking out and it's trees for days. I mean, you're seeing clouds roll over the mountains. And as I'm scanning the horizon, I see it. Another peak, another summit with an even longer trail leading up to it. I'm like, dude, (laughs) we're not there yet. We got to go. And so we end up, we strap on our camelbacks and we make it up this ridge. And there's like a boulder field. And uh, 15 minutes later, we pull ourselves up to the top. And at this point, it's even more beautiful. I mean, you can see past the mountains rolling off into the horizon. Absolutely gorgeous. And as we're panning the horizon, we see yet another summit. And so like, okay, guys, like, we, we got to finish this thing. And so we put back on our, our backpacks, and we wade through this long trail with brush up to our head, and we're getting scratched up along the way, only to discover another Summit. Has anybody encountered this before on a hike? It's what's known as a false summit. It has the appearance of being at the top, but once you get there, you realize just how much farther you have to go. Goat Mountain has seven of them. Life is full of them. From the moment that we were born, there's like, I want to be a big boy and a big girl. It's heading off to school. It's braces and first kisses and driver's license. Uh, It's graduating high school and jobs and houses and spouses and grandkids. It always seems like there's another summit to strive for. And just think about how much time we spend anxiously worried about that next summit waiting till then to to take it all in, waiting till then to be content, content and to be happy. Think about how much time we spend just anxiously worrying about the what ifs and could be's and might be's. We spend a disproportionate amount of time along the way to these various summits than we ever spend actually enjoying them. And it all begs the question, what might we be missing along the way? If we spend so much time on our way to these various summits, what might we be missing along the way? You see, Acts is the story. It's all building up to this moment where Paul's going to appear before Caesar himself. And then Acts ends. And we don't know if he ever did. You see, Paul has his eyes fixed on Rome, this place where he's going to testify before Caesar himself. And yet, Paul's greatest legacy is the ways that God used him along the way. I mean, just check out what what Paul does. I mean, scholars would say that he planted some two to three dozen churches. Meanwhile, writing letters to all these different churches, 13 of which comprise most of our New Testament today. There's the 273 people that were saved on that shipwreck that we talked about last week. And then there's the countless moments and miracles that God works through Paul along the way. Not to mention, as he's traveling, testifying to the good news that through a relationship with Jesus Christ, you and I can be connected with him. We don't have to worry about where we sit with God, that the cross takes care of our misses and our messes. That you can experience heaven, not someday, but right now. Paul may never have reached his destination, but holy moly, does God use him along the way. In fact, the reason we're able to gather here at all today is because of the ways that God used him along the way. If that's true of Paul, do you think that that could be true of us as well? That as we've got our eyes fixed on our destination, that God might be using us along the way. You know, our our destinations are important. They get us going, and surely God can use us once we get there. But I wonder if, as we're so focused on where we want to be, that we miss out on what God's doing along the way. I think back to the the last couple of weeks. Uh, It was a, a few weeks ago that... I was getting done with a lunch and I was on a phone call with somebody else and late to a meeting. I'm very late these days. I don't know why. Uh, But as I'm like on this phone call, I see a a young 20-something skateboarder outside the building just like wipe out hard, like on his butt, sprawled out on the sidewalk. Uh, And I just felt this kind of God nudge that like even though I was late to wherever I was going, I needed to talk to this person. And so I asked him like, hey, dude, how are you doing? And he's like, "Eh, not good. And skates off, at which point I do the awkward thing. I chase him down. I'm like, hey, not good. Like, you want to talk? And next thing I know, he's, like, pouring out his life story of, like, depression, relationship troubles, and dark thoughts. And next thing I know, I'm sharing with him just, like, my story of how I had my, like, knocked on, on my butt moment. And, and Jesus pulled me up out of that. And now we're praying together, and he's, he's being sent off with a Bible. And I went back on to my important things for that day. It was a moment that I I just could have missed in the busyness of of thinking I had somewhere else to be. I think about a couple of Wednesdays ago, I was running to a a ministry event at a park. And as I'm driving by the Whole Foods, I see this young uh, mom with a couple of kids out flying a sign. I felt a little nudge, I I should go talk to her. And so me and a student, we pull back around and we talk to her. Her and her husband have been out of work because of COVID and they've been struggling to put food on the table. Next thing I know, we're saying, God bless you, and we're sending her off with a meal. That was a moment that I could have missed in the busyness of heading to my destination. I think about Monday. If you guys remember that enormous storm that kind of like just came over Kansas City and dumped rain out of nowhere. I was on my way rushing here to prepare this message, and as I was passing by Target, I saw this elderly man with a limp just like struggling to even hold uh, the bag that he was holding. And I felt a nudge. To go talk to him. So begrudgingly, I turn the car around, and as I talk to him, I, I come to find out that his name's Jack and he's homeless and he's living in a, an inn three and a half miles away. And he was about to walk three and a half miles back to this inn. And so I take him into my car and uh, end up dropping him off just as the rain starts pouring down. It's another moment I could have missed. What if, as you and I are so focused on where we want to go, that we're missing out on the moments that God has placed all around us? These people, these relationships, these stories that change us, what if we're missing them along the way? What if it's the conversation with the cashier, uh, the praying with your kids, the, the asking somebody how they're really doing, the conversation at the mailbox. What if these are the moments that we miss along the way? It's interesting that this is the last warning that Paul actually gave us in the book of Acts. Just moments before that passage that we read, we read this. Paul is at this point with a group of religious people. He's literally chained to a soldier, not ever where he thought he would be. But he offers these words to a group of religious people not much unlike ourselves. He says, The Holy Spirit spoke this truth to your ancestors through Isaiah the prophet. He said, Go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused, They hardly hear with their ears. They've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, turn, and I would heal them. See, Paul, for years, he's been speaking to this group of people. He's been telling them about what God is doing in their day and how they can be a part of it. But no matter what he says or how he does, they just can't get it. They can't see it. They can't hear it. And why? Paul says, because their hearts have grown hard, calloused. You see, it's not that they're like physically blind. They can all see. It's that they're spiritually blind. And it's a theme we see in scripture that when it comes to seeing what God is doing, we see with our hearts and not our eyes. When it comes to seeing spiritual realities, we see with our hearts and not our eyes. How are you, how's your heart these days? As you think about that thing that is beating inside of your chest, how is your heart these days? I mean, I don't know about you, but this is last season. My heart's default has probably been hard and cold. Cold. You know, I put up walls, and I push down the feelings, and I'm just trying to protect myself. At times, I'm trying to manage my own mental health so much that I, I don't have time to care about all these other things going on. My heart can grow cold. And when my heart is cold and hard, I don't see well. I miss what God is doing. And for as many awesome stories as I have of the, the last couple of weeks of, like, me responding to what I see God doing, I have... Just as many complete misses. What might you be missing right now? What might God be doing in and around you that you might be missing right now? You know, maybe for you, you've been, you've been stuck on this, like being stuck at home and not being able to do the things that you used to do. Meanwhile, God has given you the time to, to be the kind of friend that you need to be, to be the kind of neighbor that you need to be, to focus on that relationship of being a, a husband or a mother or a sibling or a grandparent. You know, maybe for you, you've had your eyes set on some kind of future reality, a role or a relationship or a location. And, and meanwhile, God has been forming you in the waiting, shaping you into the kind of person that can handle what's next for you. You know, maybe for you, you've been looking for a, a someone or a something or a someday to, to make you happy. And, and God's been trying to give you a joy that isn't dependent on your circumstances. These are the kind of things that we only see with soft hearts. These are the kind of things that we need a soft heart to see. And if we don't want to miss out on these moments, it's important that we see it, but it's maybe even more important that we do something about it. You know, I think sometimes we overcomplicate the, the Christian faith. It really can be as simple as hearing what God is saying and, and doing something about it. And that's one of the reasons I love working with students. is that They don't get stuck like we do sometimes. I mean, they, they hear what God's doing and, and they're more likely to do something about it. You know, I think about uh, just some of our interns this summer. And I think about McKinley. McKinley was sharing how she had a a friend that she had grown distant to over time. Uh, And what made it a little bit awkward is that she also worked with this friend. And so she's looking at the schedule. She sees three days back-to-back that she's working with this person that she's just kind of in a weird spot with. And as she's processing processing this with her mom, her, her mom's like, what do you think God might be doing in this? And so she begins asking that same question. God, God, what are you doing? And then she did something about it. She had the hard conversation. She, she talks to the friend, she begins, which leads to them being able to talk about what God's been doing in her this summer, and her friend's been asking about God. All because she was willing to ask God, what are you doing, and, and how do I be a part of it? You know, I think about Garrett. Uh, Garrett came to faith at her fall retreat last year. And for some students, it's like kind of a slow-growing over time. Uh, for other students like Garrett, it's like they've got a jetpack strapped on. I mean, he has just been growing like crazy in his faith. And it was a couple of weeks ago at a student worship event that he, he was praying and he felt the nudge that he was supposed to pray for these different random people throughout the space. And for Garrett, who just came to faith, like that's a scary thing to do. But he's not stuck like some of us kid. he decides to do something. And as he describes it, almost every one of those people had tears streaming down their face, and we're t- talking to him about just how meaningful that prayer was, all because he asked, God, what are you doing, and how do I be a part of it? You know, I, th- I think about Mackenzie. I've known Mackenzie for three years, and Mackenzie's always been one of those students that's like, been kind of afraid to speak up, really insecure about what she might say, kind of kind of sits in the background. But as she's been doing the work, she's been sensing that God's wanting her to share more. And so as the other day I walked in in a morning session at, at LTP. And I, I kid you not, like, she is sharing passionately what she's been learning in Scripture. And literally everybody else is just locked in in this moment. Uh, and then as she finishes sharing, I, I'm, I'm not kidding, I, this happened. Uh, everyone starts cheering and clapping. And they're like, yeah, you get it. Go, go, go. And next thing I know, she's leading the entire group in prayer. All because she asked the question, God, what are you doing? And, And did something about it. Could you imagine how your life might look different if you were the kind of person that asked, God, what are you doing? And how do I be a part of it? Could you imagine the the anticipation and the excitement waking up each morning, not knowing what this day has for you? The relationships, the moments that God might be doing something that you could step into. Could you imagine the transformation that you would experience in and through you as you respond to the ways that you see God moving around you? Could you imagine if this group of people gathered here and online were the kind of people that asked, God, what are you doing? And, And then did something about it. You want to talk about revolutionary lives? that's the kind of thing that can change a city. Friends, life is a lot more like Goat Mountain than we realize. There is always another summit to strive for. There's always something else to be anxious about. Don't miss the beauty along the way. Don't miss the the people, the relationships, the moments that change us. And most importantly, don't miss the one standing at your side. That's why we go on hikes anyways, isn't it? We don't hike this thing alone. We do it with the God of the universe at our side. Friends, as we have our eyes focused on where we want to go don't miss out on what God is doing along the way. Let's pray. Well, Father, we thank you that we don't walk alone, that for many of us in a year that we just want to get past, uh, you have been with us through it all. And because of that, we can testify and know that you are working in us, you are working through us. But God, for many of us, we just confess that we've, we've had hard hearts. It's been hard to see what you're doing. And so I just pray right now that for any of us in the room or online that, that maybe if we were to, to be honest, our, our hearts have grown calloused and hard. That We just place our hands out and ask something that you promised throughout Scripture. Would you give us a new heart, a soft heart? Would you tenderize us to put us in a position that we might see what you're doing and we might be used by you along the way? Holy Spirit, we know that we can only do that through you. We ask these things in your son's holy and precious and mighty name. Amen.